That's a psalm which Cameron there just read to us. Today we begin our final series of 2022. I cannot believe that the year is drawing to a close. What a year we've had. A lot of ups, a lot of downs in our personal lives. I think as a church, this was a very good year. A lot of good things happened. Um, I think that uh, the Lord has been gracious to us. And so I'm excited for what lies ahead. This series is titled Jesus in the Psalms. And today's message is titled Jesus is King. Amen. He is King. Not only King, but he is Lord and he is King of Kings. This Psalm 110 was written by David and it's it's called a Messianic Psalm. And the reason it's called a Messianic Psalm is because it speaks of the coming Messiah which Jesus confirmed was he. Jesus said, I am the Messiah. And he did this in Matthew 22 when he asked the Pharisees, How, whose son is the Christ? And they said, he's the son of David. And Jesus said, well, then why does David say, Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand? What he was saying to the Pharisees is this, I am the Messiah that you've been waiting for and I am king. And Jesus is still king, and he is still at the right hand of the Father. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The principle for today is this, Jesus Christ is king of all. And ladies and gentlemen, we need to apply that into all areas of our lives. All areas of our lives need to be surrendered to the kingship of Jesus Christ. Christ. You know, if you've ever wanted to go out onto the roadways and wish that you seen cash just flying around everywhere, you missed your chance earlier this week. On Interstate 71 up near Kings Island, there was money flying all over the highway and on and on the ground there. And so folks were stopping their cars in the midst of the highway, getting out of their vehicles and into oncoming traffic were collecting dollar bills. The police showed up and they said, get back in your cars. What are you doing? People were just risking it all for the dollar bills. And what had happened is the police actually collected three plastic, uh, those small grocery bags full of money in ones, fives, and $10 bills. But people were willing to set aside everything that they had in order to risk trying to get that cash, even into oncoming traffic. You know, there are many things in this life that we can chase that become a risk to our physical life. You know, if Jesus were here today and he had seen that event, he would say, whose face is on that money? And when we'd answer the question, he'd say, well, let them have that. And you give to God the things that belong to God. Well, what is it that belongs to God? It's you. You belong to God. And his desire is for you. He wants us to surrender to him because he made you for the purpose of having a relationship, a loving relationship for all eternity with you. That is why he says, come and surrender to me. Come to me in full acknowledgement of my supremacy and my authority and surrender yourself to the King Jesus. And that brings us to the first point there on your bulletin today. And that is that Jesus Christ will rule over all 
creation. Look at verse 2 there in Psalm 110. Look what it says. It says this. The Lord will stretch forth a strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. You know, the world will one day become the kingdom of Christ. Revelation eleven fifteen says this. The seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. But in order for that to happen, there needs to be a transformation. You know, we already went through one big transformation. God created a perfect world, but mankind broke the laws and the commandments of God. And when Adam and Eve sinned, it brought in a curse of sin with it. Mankind's relationship with God was tarnished. The world in which we know it was tarnished. The universe was tarnished. The animal kingdom was tarnished. Everything was in a state of perfection as God created it. And he said, here, I want you to be obedient to me. I want you to know me intimately. I want you to follow my ways because my ways are what's best for you and for us to have this loving relationship. Mankind broke it and the world went through a transformation. And now what we have in our world, thorns and thistles. And by the toil and the sweat of our brow, the ground will produce its fruit. Thorns and thistles all around us. You know, living in this area, you may grow quite accustomed to thistles. It's that weed, that thorny weed that grows up and when it blooms it has a head on it It looks like cotton and then a strong wind blows and it blows that thistle seed all over and it spreads all over the place like a dandelion head is what it looks like and it spreads everywhere and there's thorns and thistles everywhere and that's the world that we live in today that's the culture that we live in thorns and thistles are growing up everywhere because the seeds of wicked and the seeds of unrighteousness are blowing in the wind and they are spreading everywhere. And that's why people, Christians, are even confused about what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil. We live in a culture that calls evil good and good evil. And that's because all around us, there's thistle growing up. Even Christians are confused. And they're saying, well, they're going along with things that they shouldn't go along with. They're giving hearty approval to things that they shouldn't be giving approval to. We're not staying committed to the Word of God. We are Christians, and Christians hold to biblical authority. And it's the authority of the Bible that governs and guides our lives. And so there's going to be a transformation. The kingdom of the world will become the kingdom of Christ, so saith the Scriptures. When it does... Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign over all creation. You know, we face an enemy. When we try to do any good thing, there's an enemy there trying to thwart it. And his name is the devil. His name is Satan. But when Jesus Christ comes back to rule over all creation, he will cast Satan into the lake of fire that burns with brimstone and smells like sulfur. He will also throw in there the wicked and the unruly, Death and Hades will be thrown into that lake of fire. My dear friends, I want to tell you, and I have to tell you this, and I know it's not a pleasant thing to hear, but hell is a very real thing. And when Jesus Christ comes back to rule over all creation, he came in as the child born in Bethlehem, 
but he will come again as a lion from Judah with eyes flame of fire. And he will come to judge the righteous and the wicked. And he will restore order. And he will have rule over all creation. And this should be a great relief to us. Because one of the things that the Holy Spirit of God does, it gives us this powerful love within our hearts. And love demands discipline. And love demands justice. You can't love without discipline. You can't love without justice. The two go hand in hand. So Jesus Christ will rule over all creation and all will be in subjection to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15.27 says this, He has put all things in subjection under His feet. That's God the Father speaking about God the Son, Jesus Christ. All things will be put in subjection, under subjection to God, to His feet. That word subjection, it means to be subordinate, to be subdued, to be in obedience to. You see, it's a very convenient thing now for the unruly, for the uncommitted, for the unfaithful, for those who turn away from God to have their opinion. It's a very convenient thing. But when Jesus Christ comes back to rule over all creation, it's not going to be so convenient. Because when He comes, He will restore order. He will restore things to their proper place. And all of creation will be subjected to His rule. Have you ever seen the show Cops? You know, they chase down the criminals, don't they? And they get them too, boy. They'll tackle them. They'll tase them. They'll do whatever they need to do to subdue the criminal, right? That's not the approach of God. God says, I give you free will, and I give you the opportunity right now to willingly submit to my authority. I am giving you the opportunity now to willingly surrender to my supremacy. But you know what? Because I have given you free will, I'm going to go ahead and let you do what it is that you want to do. And when you get into that place of misery, which you will, because that's what straying away from God does, out of God's presence, hopefully you will come back into my arm. Now, does God want us to be miserable? You bet He does if it means driving us right back into His arms. God is going to use any means and method possible to drive us back into His loving arms means that you have to live a life of misery for a time to recognize your wandering ways, then God will let that happen. He'll say, you go ahead and you go out into that wilderness and you wander around and you do what it is that you want to do and you have things your way. And I hope you'll see that coming back into my arms is where you need to be. That's where God wants you. In subjection to Him. These terms, king, subjection, obedience, they're foreign to us. 21st century Americans, we've never lived under a king, right? We've never been subjects to a king. So what does it mean to be subject? What does it mean to be under the authority of Jesus? It means this. It means to live our lives as if the Lord Jesus Christ is king and that his Bible is the authoritative final word in all matters 
and we willingly live our lives that way. Folks, that is radical. Not even within the church do you see that type of living. It's, I will attend, I will do what I think I need to do, and then I will do what it is that I want to do. But Jesus says, no, I want you in subjection to me because this is what love is. You're not going to be able to just do what desires come to your flesh. There's going to be a checks and balances system. And the Holy Spirit is going to say, whoa, this is going to interfere with your relationship with God. Hey, this is all about love. There are certain things you're not going to do that you're going to get by your husband or your wife, right? They're just not going to allow it. And that's what love does. It's that checks and balance system, and it keeps us in line, and it keeps us close to him. And being with God is the good life. So we live like Jesus and the Bible have first place in our life and in our heart. You know, we say, proudly, boldly proclaim, we are one nation under God. That is not the case in today's America. We are a nation who has put ourselves above God. We reject Him at every turn. There are many people in our culture today who don't even acknowledge the existence of a God. We are a nation that lives above God, and you see where it's getting us. And my dear friends, I love this country. I consider myself to be a patriot, but it's not going to get any better. This country will continue to decay and to decline. Oh, Nick, why do you have to say that? <laughs> I know. But there is good news. There will be peace. It just won't be coming about the way that we want it to come about from us. It's going to be a time that is ushered in by the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there will only be peace on this earth when Jesus Christ establishes his kingdom on earth and then he rules over all creation. Then the normal way of things will be fully restored, the way that they're supposed to be. And that is Jesus ruling and reigning and everyone else under his authority. And finally, we'll have world peace. You know, you watch these talent shows, and even I remember the Miss America pageants, and say, you know, we just want to work towards world peace. Well, if that's the case, then you should be out preaching the gospel, because that's the only way that we're going to have world peace. It's never going to come through human means. You know, every time there's something good done in the world, there's always someone there trying to thwart it. We have an enemy, Satan. We have his workers, the demons, and we have people who live in the flesh. They call good evil and they call evil good. So if you want world peace, then we need to hasten the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is he who will establish peace and will bring all things into subjection under him. And then we will know peace like we've never known before. Look at verse 6 of Psalm 110. It says here, He will judge among the nations. He will fill them with corpses. He will shatter the chief men over a broad country. And that brings us to our second point on your outline. Jesus Christ will judge all creation. And he will do this because God, the Father, has given all judgment to Jesus. 
John 5.22 says, For not even the Father judges anyone, but has given all judgment to the Son. God the Father has handed to Jesus Christ all judgment and all authority. Now, a good judge is going to uphold the existing laws, right? A good judge doesn't create new laws. A good judge upholds the laws that currently exist. And from the very beginning, God decreed all of the laws for goodness and righteousness, for evil and for wickedness. And they are stamped in heaven for all eternity, and they will never be broken, they will never be bent, and they will never be shifted. And Jesus Christ is a good judge. And he is going to perfectly follow all of the laws that God has established for eternity. You look at the Ten Commandments. All of those are going to be followed perfectly. All of the commandments for righteousness and wickedness are going to be followed perfectly. And you say, all these laws that were written on a tablets of human hearts. We call it a conscience. You can call it a Jiminy Cricket. If you want to, right? That small voice in your head that tells you this is right. This is wrong. Those laws are written on a tablets of human hearts. And God has given us the ability to know right from wrong. So Jesus Christ, he will judge. And you may be thinking, well, why does this have to happen? Can't we all just live on the earth and die and go to heaven? Can't that just be the way that it is? Listen, no. No. It can't be that way. You know why? Because the rules of the game have already been set and established. And whatever we concoct in our minds and whatever opinions we have that may make sense to us do not make sense to God. God lives in perfection. God has established perfect rule and perfect order. And there is nothing that you and I can propose in our futile minds that is going to change the course of eternity. You and I are in subjection, whether we want to admit it or not, to the authority of God. And so my suggestion to humanity is this. Put yourself under the authority of Christ now before you're made to do it later. Where the Bible says every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. My friends, it's a much better life to do it now than to do it later. Ooh, is it getting heavy? It's not that heavy. It's actually a relief. Because Jesus Christ will judge the living and the dead. Acts 10.42 says this, And he ordered us to preach to the people and to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. You know, those who are alive at his second coming and those who are dead now, when he comes again, he will establish what is called the great white throne judgment. Those who are alive at Jesus' coming who are the wicked and the unrighteous, those who are uncommitted to him, those who are the unbelievers, those who have rejected God's ways, who have not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, they will be under judgment. And those who have died before as unbelievers, they will be resurrected and they will come before Jesus Christ at the great white throne judgment. And it is there 
will he will, where he will tell them, he will open up his book of the Lamb's Book of Life, and he will say, your name is not written in this book. Would you care to tell me why? And they're going to be standing there, and they're going to be fumbling over their mouths. And he's going to say, you knew enough about me to come to me. Because I gave you enough written in your heart and in your conscience and in your life. I gave you enough information for you to come to me. Why didn't you come? You knew it was the right thing to do. Why did you not do it? Why did you live a life of rebellion? Why did you reject me? Why did you stand and give hearty approval to the sinful ways of the culture? Why did you applaud sexual immorality? Why did you do that? That's what he's going to say. He's going to say, why did you applaud wickedness? Why did you not stand up and say something? Your name was not written here. Because I looked into your heart and you didn't love me. You turned away from me. But I loved you, but you didn't love me back. And it's into the lake of fire. They will go. And I say it with a tender heart there because we don't desire that. Neither does God. But it is the reality of things. And as a minister who's pledge to preach, preach the whole counsel of God, I will stand before God one day also. He'll say, Nick, did you tell those people at Creekside what the end of the Bible has to say? And I have to be able to say, yes, God, I did. And they had their choice. And they had their decision. And he'll say, okay. The great white throne judgment. That's what's coming to the unbelieving world. But I've got some good news for those of us who trust in Jesus Christ. That great white throne judgment is not for you. You have escaped that moment in time through the blood of Jesus Christ. When you asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, when you committed to Him as a Son of God, that He died on the cross for your sins, that He placed in a tomb and rose again on the third day, when you committed to that, you believe that, the blood of Jesus was spread out over you and it saved you from an eternal death and brought you into eternal life. He who has the Son has the life and he who has not the Son does not have the life. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to Him, you have the life. You escape the judgment. You escape the judgment and you go to the rewards. That's the ceremony that believers will be at. The reward ceremony. Well, what are the good things that you did in the name of Jesus Christ? What are the good things you did under subjection to me? So Jesus, he will rule over all creation, he will judge all creation, and he will do these things because Jesus has won the victory. Look at verse 7 in Psalm 110. He will drink from the brook by the wayside. 
and therefore he will lift up his head. You know, that gives me an image of the good shepherd there. He leads his sheep to the brook and they drink that fresh water, right? And then he lifts his head victoriously. After taking a refreshing drink from the brook, he has brought creation back to the natural order of things. Everything under his subjection. Everything has been judged. Jesus Christ has won the victory and he has destroyed the works of the devil. 1 John 3.8 says this, The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. But the Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of Satan? What are those works that Jesus destroyed? Satan tries his best to drive a wedge between humanity and God. God wants to love humanity and he wants humanity to love him back and Satan's efforts are all pointed towards driving that wedge between God and humanity. It's like the jealous uh, brother or sister or friend who wants to get in between your marriage. They want to break that up. They want to drive a wedge between there because they're jealous of what you got. And Satan is jealous of your relationship with God. And he wants to do everything he can to split that up. He wants to do everything he can to pull that apart. Because he knows that if you're close with God, then there's no chance for him for, to get you. And he wants you to spend an eternity with him where he's going. And so he works hard to drive that, that wedge. And Jesus Christ, he won the victory and he destroyed the works of Satan when he was hanging up on that cross. And he breathed his last and he gave up his spirit. You see, Satan was trying to prevent that from happening. That's why he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. If I can stop, the Son of God, from going to that cross, then I can drive a permanent wedge between those who have died already believing in the promise of the coming of Jesus and those who in the future might accept Him as Lord. I can permanently keep humanity from God if I can keep Jesus from the cross. But Jesus said, no, 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 devil. You're not going to keep me from the cross. I have my eyes on the cross and I'm going to walk there and I'm going to gladly take those nails because I'm going to spill my blood for humanity and anyone that comes to me will not die but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Do you have everlasting life this morning? All right, good. Good. That's what we want. We want everyone to have eternal life. That's what we want. Jesus says, go out, share the gospel. Tell your friends, bring them to church. They need to hear this message. They need to hear true everlasting peace. They need to hear the truth of the world, not the thorns and the thistles. Right? Isn't there such a battle right now in our culture about what the truth is? What's the truth? Blah, 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 blah. What's the truth? And it's there. It's right there. And it's something, it's a seed that's already been planted into the hearts of humanity. And all they have to do, I say all they have to do, it's a difficult thing to do, is to put aside the boastful pride. Put aside trying to be number one and surrender 
to God. Surrender to God. So Jesus won the victory. He destroyed the works of the devil, and he defeated death. He defeated death. After he was on the cross, he was placed in a tomb, and he rose again. When Jesus rose again, that was the most significant event in human history because he said that he would do that, and he did it. He proved who he said that he was. And by the rising again, he proved that he had all authority over death and life. That he was the life. He said, I am the life. Listen to what this verse says in Acts 2.24. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death. Since it was, listen to this, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. It was impossible for Jesus Christ to be held in the power of death because Jesus is life and life has supremacy over death. Death has nothing over life because life always wins. Life always wins. And Jesus, of his very essence, who he is, is life. So tell me, my friends, who would never want to have Jesus Christ in their lives? of Jesus in your life means you do not have life at all. Someone who does not have Jesus Christ in their lives, their only function on this earth is making their way toward an eventual physical and spiritual death. That's it. There's no purpose, no rhyme, no reason even for their existence. That's what they're doing. They're marching to their death. Marching to their end. Those who have Jesus Christ are marching towards so much more. You're marching toward an eternal destiny. You're marching toward life, a victorious life in heaven. You're marching toward a life of peace now in the midst of the thorns and the thistles. You ever walk out into the woods? without like coveralls on and the thorns and the thistles get you and they poke you and prod you. Oh man, wish I had brought those coveralls. But you put those coveralls on and you can walk right through them. Boom, 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 boom. On your way to your tree stand, right? Do, 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 do. And there you go. And that's the same thing with Jesus Christ. You put on the Lord Jesus and you've got power and victory over the thorns and the thistles and the works and the power of Satan. John eleven twenty five and 26 say this, and I'll close. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Then he says this, do you believe this? My dear friends, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and King? If you do, you're going to have an opportunity here today, right where you stand, to give yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then I say, get ready and hold on, because He is going to begin to do a miraculous change in your heart and in your life. Are you ready to receive that today? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, for the heart that's here this morning that's ready to receive you as King 
into their lives and ready to put, place their lives under your subjection. Father, they can come to you of their own free will. Simply by asking you, dear Lord Jesus, they can pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are king. And I believe that you are God's son. And I believe that you took my sins on the cross and defeated the works of the devil. And I believe that you were placed in that tomb and rose again on the third day. Jesus, I believe that you have power over death. And I believe that you are the life. Jesus, come into my heart. Change my life. I want to spend my life with you and eternity in heaven with you. You can pray that right now, right where you're at. And you can begin a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. This is God's will for your life, a personal intimate relationship with God through his son. Father, we thank you again that you have bestowed the many blessings upon us. Father, the Christmas spirit is alive and well, and it is upon us. It is the Holy Spirit of God. Father God, please be with our congregation as we head into this season. Give them great joy, great tidings, great blessings of joy, and the friends and family that they have who have not yet to surrender to you, who have not yet to proclaim Jesus as Lord, Father, will you please convict them to do so before time runs out, for we have great love for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now at this time...